Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week we have our special Easter weekend message from lead pastor Greg Dumas. We hope you enjoy today's service. Welcome to all of you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So we are in. Welcome to our campuses. Give them a big hand at South Shore and Plant City. What's happening? Those of you who are in overflow, tell somebody you look marvelous. And give them a high five. God bless you. You may be seated. Everybody looks great today. Glad that you are here. Those of you who are uh, at the Tampa campus in Overflow and at the South Shore campus in Overflow and at the Plant City campus in Overflow, God is good, right? God is good. Delighted that you're all here. Just remember to be nice to each other on your way out. Okay? We're we're Christians. (laughs) God is good. So, Uh, We are here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Amen. In 1988, I was uh, was not a believer yet. I'd gone to church and, um, man, I'd been in church many times and even went to religious education classes and um, I, and we were at you know, Christmas and Easter, and so we were warm to Christianity. We, we you know, knew of Jesus, knew of the resurrection, but I had, not, I had not made Jesus Lord of my life yet. So I want to say this at the beginning, and then I'll say it at the end. It just takes that relationship with God, not religion. Jesus isn't for religion, you guys. You know that? He's for relationship. Relationship is an inner personal thing that you do with him and say, I want, I want you to be my Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And so I was listening to Joshua Tree. Anybody, that dates me a little bit, you guys. Okay, I was listening to Bono sing, right? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I, and I, I thought to myself, you know, if, and there is an explicit Christian lyrics that are in there that he took away the suffering and the pain. And, you know, I believe, I believe it. I believe it. It's what Bono was singing. And really that's a song about doubt more than it is about faith. And I thought as a person who had not yet taken that step, but I was warm to kind of Christianity. I thought if he is trusted in Jesus, cause I hear the lyrics, if he's trusted in Jesus, then Um, how come he hasn't found what he's looking for? And I'll say this to open today. I'm glad all these years later, I found Jesus. And when I found Jesus, I found what I was looking for. I found what I was looking for. mm, Boy, I I could just go a whole different direction with the message right now. There's so many things that we're looking for, but he's the answer. If you need your marriage to get better, some of you are like, no, no, I don't need Jesus. I just need my marriage to get better. Jesus makes a marriage better. And I, I, don't, I, just, I, just, I just want to do better at work. Jesus will make you do better at work. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will land on you and you'll excel. God, okay, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. We pray that you would speak to us all and that we would leave here changed. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. You can grab the sermon notes or the message notes. Uh, today we're here to celebrate the resurrection, as I said, and I know that it's a little bit difficult sometimes to think about the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and we just, I want to tell you, if you're new to the Crossing Church, we see miracles here every single weekend. Yes. We, we literally see people, we literally see people get healed and saved and delivered and set free here every single weekend, so that can be your expectation, all right? There's, yeah, you clap that up, and we're, we participate a lot, too. Some of you, so, uh, you know what I mean? You know, clap it up. You don't have to golf clap. Golf clap's like, yes, Hercules, Hercules. 
And so you can, if you, if you want to, if you feel it and you want to clap, you can clap. Feel, feel free to clap. We, uh, there's a couple of volumes. Craig Keener writes these volumes that are recorded miracles. And some of you have not seen this before. You can see it in print. The actual stories of people being saved, healed, delivered, and people being raised from the dead. We have friends just all around the world that see this all the time. And if you're somebody who needs a little bit more information, I, I'm a little bit more intellectual, I need some more information, I need the data, I need the math, I need all those things. If you go to message notes, you're gonna see it on the screen, it's already loaded in for you, some information, a couple of books that are there, some videos, and just some, some other kind of proofs is what we call them about the resurrection and about Jesus and who he is. So the, rex, the resurrection is pivotal to every Christian experience, to every person. And so the Bible says without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. It's not like we could just say, yeah, kind of maybe think about the resurrection, maybe don't think about the resurrection. If you don't have the resurrection, everything that we're doing is for nothing. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith, say my faith, is worthless, worthless, and we're still stuck where we've been. It's amazing that Americans differ in their opinion about Jesus being bodily resurrected. According to a LifeWay study in 2016, 36% of Christians are unsure whether the biblical account of Jesus' resurrection is accurate. A third of Christians, and I'm sure that this has gone up in the last six years, if the apostle Paul says in the gospel that without the resurrection, our faith is useless, then we need to be certain. Everybody say certain. We need to be certain that Jesus rose from the grave, right? We, we really do. And the resurrection demands a response. And, and maybe you'll respond in amazement and awe and wonder. Or maybe, you know, or maybe another option could be to kind of pick holes in it. Or uh, maybe you could just sit back for a little while. I promise I won't tarry long. Tarry is a church word. I won't mess around too long. And I'll just show you the scripture, all right? And um, you get credit. Here's what I want you to know. Just right out of the gate, you get credit for being here. <laughs> you could give yourselves a hand for that one. You can. <laughs> because you're like, no, I got five kids. It took me a long time to get here. You better hurry up, bro. You better, you better hurry up, my kids. And we're so thankful. Can we thank all of our volunteers, all of our staff, all, all everywhere? They're, Three campuses on overflow. Those of you who are watching online, taking care of our, our, our kids. We don't, we don't believe in, in, in babysitting kids. We feel like there's a prophetic generation waiting to be born and God is, is caring for those young people. Amen? Okay. Jesus rose for all to see. We think that Jesus just showed up to the ladies at the tomb and to the disciples but this scripture in 1 Corinthians is really important to show us that he showed up to 500 people all at one time after the resurrection. Historians, when you, when you have an event that's close to the actual date, the, the writing is close to the actual event, it makes historians very, very happy. It's called validity. This happened only three years after the resurrection. And so all of our literature and our data, the stuff that we believe, we, we just say, yes, that's true. The gospel accounts are, uh, if I could say it this way, are more true in their accuracy and their proximity to the actual events that take place, okay? First Corinthians 15, three through six. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received that Christ died for our sins, 
according to the scripture, that he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Cephas in this scripture is Peter, the apostle Peter, and then to the twelve. And Peter is referenced in the videos that we played all across our campuses. And by the way, those videos were done in-house by our staff. Weren't they amazing? Wow. Wow, such talent, so, so proud of our team. And then he appeared to over 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. And so when I was kind of outside, I, I would go to church, you know, Christmas, Easter, and then, and then when I was in college, I was a junior in college, and I had an experience, I'll tell you about it in a second, briefly. <clears throat> I had an experience, and I really came into a relationship with Jesus, and I started to come into the church, and people would greet me all the time. They would say, hello, brother, and I thought that was the weirdest thing. <laughs> hello, brother. And so I, I just, you know, the scripture is saying that when you believe in Jesus, you become family. That's what it's saying. So you become brothers and sisters, and now I'm totally converted. I am the weirdo now. Hello, brother. And I catch myself, you know, so if I say hello, brother, just say you're weird and walk off. And so you're a weirdo. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters. And then it says fall, having fallen asleep because the Bible says that when we're in Jesus, say in Jesus. When we're in Jesus, we've given him our lives. We close our eyes here and we open them in eternity. So we fall asleep. This body is going to stay in the grave. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we upgrade this body? <laughs> Uh, I mean, hey, Chester drawer syndrome goes away where your chest falls into your drawers. That's it. It goes away. If you got to be able to laugh in church too. You, seriously, if you're not having fun, you should be. So the final appearance is he, he appears to his brother James, and then he appears to Paul. And it's important that he appears to James because the scripture goes on and says that he appeared to the 500, he appeared to the, the ladies at the tomb, he appeared to the apostles, and he appeared to James. Because James, his own brother, was a skeptic. His own brother, Jesus' own brother, didn't believe that he was the Messiah until after he was resurrected. And it's important that he appeared to Paul as one untimely born, the Bible says, because Paul persecuted the church before the resurrection, before he had seen Jesus in his resurrected form, he persecuted the church. And it is clear, there's every indication that Jesus's body was never found. So when we say in the church, Jesus has risen from the grave, the church goes, amen. amen? Okay, let's try that again. Jesus is risen from the grave. Amen. Amen. It's, it's yes and amen. And so we got all these weird church sayings, you know what I mean? The Lord is good all the time and all the time. The Lord is good. He, he is, Jesus is risen from the grave. All that was necessary to disprove the resurrection, I want you to think about this for just a second. Just, just hang with me. Was to find his body. And if you found his body, then it couldn't have meant that he was bodily resurrected because his body was here. And so it is super important to understand that all of these 2,000 years and all that took place and they didn't find the body of Jesus. The entire Roman nation was trying to stop the Christian movement and the entire Jewish group of people were trying to stop. The religious group at the time was trying to stop the movement of Jesus. That's because the tomb was empty, you guys. The tomb was empty. 
I've got to read this scripture, John 21 and 2. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb, so she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciples and the one Jesus loved. And I, I like this because the apostle John is writing this, and when he says the one Jesus loved, John was talking about himself. I was like, and the one Jesus loved, you guys. And he said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. You see, he was raised from the dead. The Jewish leaders never denied that there was an empty tomb. And again, uh, this is a point sometimes it's missed on Easter. They only tr try to concoct a story that other people would believe. Not that that takes place in 2022. <laughs> Matthew 28. Some of you are just getting that one right now. After the priests uh, had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money. You know that false stories go with money, right? Come on, some, can I get an amen on that one? They, they, they go hand in hand. A sum of money and told them, say this. His disciples came in the night and they stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, then we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among the Jews, the Jewish people to this day. The Jewish authorities never said, never said that there wasn't an empty tomb. There was an empty tomb and Jesus was resurrected from the grave. They just concocted the story and was passed down through generations. Historians think that if you've got two independent accounts of an event, you've hit pay dirt. So when historians go and study things, they say, we've got two. They're independent accounts of this, this thing that took place. And I want you to know that in this Bible, there are no less than six independent accounts of an empty tomb of Jesus being resurrected. No less than six. Jesus was raised from the grave for all to see. Number two, doubters became believers. This is one of the most important things of validating uh, Jesus, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. The Bible is full of issues. It's, it's got more issues than Time Magazine, y'all. The Bible doesn't pull any punches. It is, it is written, it is inerrant from cover to cover. It means it's written by human beings, breathed through the breath of God to write it, their interpretation of writing it in. He's actually writing through their hands, and we believe that from, the, from Genesis to Revelation, that God's word is expressed here with the hand of man. But listen, here's what he's saying. God always weaves in here the fact that people that didn't believe came to believe, and some still didn't believe. And, they just, and, and it just so it stays fact in the Bible. If we were reading something that wasn't true, it would all be manicured, and this book would have went away a long time ago. It would have went away a long time ago. Uh, this is, by the way, this is number one bestseller. <laughs> Doubters became believers. Even his own family, Jesus' own family and his brother didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Uh, Mark 3, 20, he was casting out demonic spirits and, and people were gathering in crowds, watch this. Then he went home and the crowds gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. And when his family heard this, they sent out to restrain him. Hey, stop sharing the gospel. Who? Jesus. <laughs> because they said, he's out of his mind. To quote from Nacho Liber, Nacho, y'all trying to trick me. To quote from Nacho Libre, you're crazy. Some of you, if you haven't seen Nacho Libre, you need to get saved. See, I'm trying to go so fast that sometimes I get tongue-tied. And I have ADD, burning case. How many of you have ADHD? Come on. 
Uh, I'm thinking four thoughts right now. God bless you. (laughs) The scribes had come down from Jerusalem and said, he has Beelzebub in him. And he drives out demons by the rulers of demons. So before the resurrection, his own brother did not believe in Jesus. Three years, saw all the manifestations, the signs, the wonders, the miracles. He'd seen all the stuff. They'd seen everything. Everything. But it took the resurrection. Say resurrection. It took the resurrection for his brother to believe. Leave it to a brother to miss the Messiah, right? And so then just a few years later, Paul goes to Jerusalem and he sees no one other than James who is now leading the church, Galatians 1, 18 and 19. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, that is Peter, and I stayed with him 15 days, but I didn't see anyone else, the other apostles, except James, the brother of Jesus. So James was a skeptic. His own brother didn't believe that he was the savior until after the resurrection. And now you see him in Jerusalem and he becomes an apostle. That means an eyewitness to the, to the salvation of Jesus and the resurrection of the Lord. And now he's a leader in the church working with Peter. Speaking of Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. You remember Peter, he was kind of bold and brash and he was like, you know, I'll, I'll die for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, Pete, listen, before the rooster crows, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. And so you might be bold in your faith, but I wanna tell you when the stuff goes down, church, it's, fine to, it's hard to find a brother. It is hard to find a brother because they thought Jesus was their religious ruler. They thought Jesus was gonna bring prosperity to the kingdom and prosperity to them and they were gonna be promoted and it was political and all. And so Jesus now is getting crucified and Peter's like, uh-uh, I, I had the wrong idea. And Peter denies him. Here's the scripture, Matthew 26, 74. And then he started to curse. I don't even see it in scripture. Peter cursed. So he's cursing out and to swear an oath I don't know this man. Immediately a rooster crowed and Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. So here's what I believe the scripture is saying to us. It doesn't matter if you stood in your living room and said, Jesus is not alive. Jesus loves you as much as he loves Peter and he's here today to tell you he loves you. He says, come on, come with me, come. He said, come and eat breakfast with me. He had a, he had a breakfast meal with, with Jesus, and Jesus said, do you love me? And, I, and, and I, just think about that for just a moment. No matter how you've treated Jesus, the person of Christ, do you love me? Will you serve me? A third example would be doubting Thomas. And some of you have heard the term doubting Thomas. Well, it comes from Scripture. The disciples had seen Jesus, the ladies had been to the tomb and he was resurrected and they ran and they talked to Thomas and Thomas said, I'm not gonna believe until I put, he puts, until I can take my hand and touch his flesh. Bodily resurrection is very important. And so the room was closed where they were, they were gathering together and the Bible says that Jesus came into the room. It didn't say that he opened the door, it said that he appeared in the room. And I say this every time. I think there was a sound when he moved through the wall like, I think he just was like, I think he was just showing off, like, watch this. And then I think he said, I think Jesus is like this. I think he said, his name's Thomas. I think he said, hey, Tom, come here. Come here for a second. He said, I know you said you wouldn't believe. I want you to take your hand, put your hand in my hand. 
And I want you to take your hand and put it in the side where they, where they pierced me with the spear. Put, put your hand right here. And then he says something important. Thomas fell to his knees and he says, Lord Jesus, and, and I worship you as Lord. And then Jesus said to him, blessed are you because you believe. And then he said, because you see. And then he goes on and he said, blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. And then Saul of Tarsus is kind of the last one in this second section here. Saul of Tarsus hated, everybody say hated. hated. Yeah, it's like he hated Christianity, hated it. He was a Jewish leader. He grew up under a man named Gamaliel. He was a very learned student and he was trying to resist the Christian movement, everything he could do. And so he was actually arresting Christians and watching them be murdered. They murdered Stephen. And then he had an experience with Jesus that changed his life. He was not a good dude. He was not a good dude. Saul, everybody say Saul. Saul was his name pre-salvation experience. Saul, putting people in jail, watching people be murdered. He was going after Christians. And then he had this experience in, in Acts chapter nine. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing his threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way, and the way was the name for Christianity in the first century, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, and so this is a Damascus Road experience. How many of you, have, just by show of hands, across campuses, South Shore, Plant City, how many of you have heard of a Damascus Road experience? Let's lift your hand up. Okay, a bunch. All right. So here's what this means. Some of you, I had a Damascus Road experience in my life. I was a junior in college, and I had reached a point where I was in desperation. And I cried out to God one night in my home in Columbia, Missouri, and I said, God, if you're real, I need to know it right now. I don't need to know tomorrow. I'm not going to church. I need to know that you're real. And I had a, a Damascus Road experience. And man, I'm telling you, it was, it was nothing short of, of this. There was a light. I, could, I, I had an encounter with God that I could not, I could not shake. It was something that was undeniable. And so for some of you, you need a Damascus Road experience with Jesus. You need Jesus to demonstrate to you his power. And if you pray and ask him this way, in desperation saying to him, Jesus, I really, I need to know. You need to prove to me. And then I'll say this, this is great. Some of you don't need a Damascus Road experience because you're not as hard-headed as we are. <laughs> All you need is just to re recognize and realize Jesus is Lord and say to him, I give you my life. Pretty simple. Pretty, pretty simple. So Paul has this incredible experience. He's thrown from his horse and he hears this, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? That's a normal term for that day. Someone greater than me. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. And he said, the one that you're persecuting. And he replied, get up and go into the city. And I think this is hilarious. I think it's awesome because it doesn't say in this scripture, but where God sent Saul was to Straight Street. <laughs> he sent him to a physical street called Straight Street. Come on, you guys. <laughs> right? That means a man that was going, on, he was on the crooked way. And he thought he was on the right way. Had a Damascus Road experience with the Lord and God sent him to a street called Straight. <laughs> Just little things in the scripture like that. I'm like, really? To a tanner. 
And the tanner had heard from the Holy Spirit, there's a man who's coming, he's a teacher, and when he gets here, I want you to witness Jesus to him. And Saul had this experience, and a day, listen, a day later, he went into the synagogues where he was, he was a big deal teacher in the synagogues and where he used to just defame Christianity. And a day later, after having this experience, he goes in and he tells them, oh, Jesus is Lord. Now, now, now look, look, that would not be in the scripture if this wasn't true. This, this, this is just the Lord. People who doubted and even hated Christianity had such a revelational experience with Jesus and his resurrected person that they changed forever. Saul went from persecuting to being the person, I don't know if you know this either, Saul wrote, and his name now is Paul. How many of you know that God, whenever you trust Christ as Savior, God will rename you? Because, and, and I don't mean that you have to walk around, if your name is Greg, you don't have to walk around being called Bill. I just mean that God renames you because God has a purpose and a design and a destiny for your life. And when you give your life to him, he brands you with your destiny and who you were created to be. And so Saul was no longer Saul. Now Saul is Paul and he becomes a disciple and he wrote, this man who persecuted Christians wrote two, two thirds of the New Testament. Pretty important guy, pretty important guy. Thomas believed the Lord. He turned from doubting to believing. You know what I mean? James, his brother, who was a doubter, turned into one of the pillars in the church, a leader who was in the church. And Peter went from denying Jesus three times, just saying, Jesus, you, you know, cursing, oh, I don't know him, to being the rock upon which the church is built. The Bible said, Peter's confession, you are the Lord. And he said, upon that rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. Come on. Pretty big flip. Pretty big flip. So what does that mean for you and me? It means that there's opportunity for all of us at any point in time in our lives, at any point in time, at any time that you still have a pulse, God is available to you and you saying to Jesus, Jesus, I receive you, is the measure of faith that's necessary for the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. Just the measure of Jesus and, and the faith to say, I believe, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. Super simple, super simple. Here's a, a little illustration from Chuck Colson. Some of you know of him, you know that name. He was Nixon's special counsel on Watergate. How many of you remember Watergate? Okay, good, at least there's good, this well, okay. Some of you don't know who Michael Jackson is, God bless you, I, we're, we're all here together. The younger generation, right? Watergate. Here's what he said. Here's what Colson said. I know the resurrection is a fact. And he said, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead and they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never denying at one time. And their stories collaborated and coordinated throughout all of those 40 years. And he said, everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. And the gospel testimony is that some of these disciples were hung upside down you know how around the world right now, you could, you could read or see, un, un, it's unbearable to see, but sometimes these terrorist organizations would say, deny Jesus, and then if you don't deny Jesus, horrible things happen to you. Is everybody with me? Are you with me? In the Old Testament, they would do even worse things. They would hang you upside down and saw you in half. Saw you in half. And all of these men and women who saw Jesus resurrected, never one time, not a single one of them denied Jesus. Wow. 
Wow. And Chuck Colson says, Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. Do you remember? Keeping alive under pressure is tough. And he said, it's absolutely impossible to think that 12 men could perfectly keep a lie for over 40 years and collaborate their stories perfectly. Jesus rose from the grave. And doubters became believers. The last one, the resurrection is for everybody for all time. And we're talking about, we think, wow, that was antiquity. No, it's today. Jesus is alive right now. He's interceding. He's at the, the, the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for you and interceding for me. And he believes in us. He believes in you. He died for you. He loves you. John eleven twenty five. 25, here's what he says. And I want everybody to say this together. Let's say this scripture together on the screen. Say it with me, okay? If you see it, say it. I am the resurrection and the life. Okay, I know this feels a little bit like Catholicism, right? You guys okay? I know it does. You know, a third of the folks that come to the crossing either were or are Catholic, and I won't debate whether you are or not, okay? My mom said, you born Catholic, you'll be Catholic your whole life. I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> so all kinds of blends of people and relationships with people. I, and, and, and so listen, do you know that there are Pentecostal charismatic Catholic churches? Do you know that? Some of you are like, that doesn't go together. Oh, yeah, it does. It's, just, it's all kind of flavors in the kingdom. <laughs> I, I just want you to, here's what I, I don't want you to hear something that sounds a little bit familiar and then punch out of what God's doing that's new. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, so let's say this together. Say this, you'll see it on the screen, John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Come on now. Come on. <clears throat> and I want to, and I'll, I'll, I'll end like this, just, just telling you a, a story that's relational. So that, that's kind of the, the information about Jesus, all right? And I want to end in, in a kind of a relational fashion just to make sure that you know that that uh, I'm real, we're real, Jesus is real, this place is real. You know, God didn't come to save a church. You know that? God came to save the church. God came to save the church. And the church are the people in the church. The church isn't a building. You are the church. He, he came to save you and me. He's like, what did he come to save me from? From yourself. <laughs> All right. So years ago, we went on a cruise just before Easter. It was three churches ago. Cruises are anointed from Jesus. It's, it's from the Lord. We live in Florida. If you're in Michigan right now, <laughs> nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we, went, we went on the cruise and the Lord said something to me. It was crazy. It felt a little bit crazy when he said before we go. He goes, um, no margaritas. I said, what? <laughs> He's talking about Willis? What do, you, what do you mean? You mean no margaritas? And so we don't, we don't drink, especially on the weekends. <laughs> Some of you are just getting it. It's, fine. it's okay to laugh in church. It's okay. I'm telling you, it's, it's okay. And so we, normally, we, don't, we don't drink. And, and, but if we go on vacation, I'll occasionally have a margarita, all right? 
And, uh, and, and so, and my wife, and I'm fine. If I have margarita, I'm fine. If my wife smells a margarita, she's fine. <laughs> yeah, so. Super, super heavy featherweight. I mean, light, 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 super fly, light weight. Okay. And so, so here's what, so he said, we left. And on the first night, it's a three-day cruise. On the first night, we gathered with all these people we're used to. Haven't been on one in a little while. It's time to go on a cruise, y'all. Anyway, so we're, we're together and everybody's sitting around six couples and everybody's drinking pretty good. They're going. It was the first night, so everybody's like, you know, been traveling and all that stuff. And I, me and my wife are the last ones around the table. <laughs> this is hilarious. And so everybody goes around. We're drinking water and da, da, da. And they say, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Well, I said, I'm a pastor. Everyone's like, <coughs> They're like, yeah. They said, we only drink on the weekends. Everybody starts confessing. I said, I'm not the drink police. I'm not here. To, I don't you have whatever. I'm not here to police the drinks. This is not what we're here for. Totally. Let's have fun. <laughs> Woo. And the next day, next day we go on an excursion. And on the excursion, guys are hitting it pretty hard. Guys and girls hitting it pretty hard. And they, they got these relay races and whatever. And this guy was, I mean, he, the Lord just sort of singled him out to me. And he was going, he, he was kind of finishing the race and then falling and stumbling around. And then there was an open, you guys know what I'm saying? Okay, some of you are like, mm-hmm, I was there yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Still a little cloudy right now. Uh, <laughs> too much wine at the altar last night. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's ADD kicking in. <laughs> so he was going at it with the outside. There's an outside bar there. And my, we're drinking water. And he's taking shots. He's going, boom, 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 taking a shot, taking a shot. And everybody around him is kind of vibing, boom, boom. It's a big deal. And, he's, and they're like cheering him on, go, 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 go. If you've ever been the object of the go, it gets pretty real. <laughs> go, go, go. And so right there in the middle of that thing, the Lord speaks to me. And, and, and I, want to, I want to tell you, I want, I want you to know this. Jesus speaks. The Lord, is able, the Lord is able to speak to his people. He does. The Lord, I just want to say this to you. Jesus speaks to his people. He, he's alive. He said, he said, my sheep will know my voice. You're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear, you're going to speak. And right there in the middle of that whole thing, we're at the bar and the Lord says, hey, ask him if, you wanna, if he, he wants you to pray for him, if you could pray for him. And I thought, it's not the right time. <laughs> this is inopportune time right here. And so I'm like, okay, Jesus. So sometimes as a Christian, you just got to go, okay, uh, here we go. And so he's right there in the middle of taking shots. And boom, boom, boom. I said, hey. He said, yeah. I said, can I pray for you? He said, he said, he slammed his little shot glass down and he collapsed. He literally, right in the middle of the boom, 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 he collapsed right in my arms. And everybody was upset at me because they were vibing. <laughs> and they're like, get him out of here. And I said, man, I just, well, just want to pray for you. And I finally, he collapsed and he sobbed in my arms. And he, I mean, I'm talking sob, grown man, just sob, sob, sob. His whole body was shaking. And I finally, I said, are you okay? He said, my dad committed suicide two days ago. And he said, I'm trying to drink myself blind to try to get rid of what I saw two days ago in my dad's living room. And so, and I said, do you know Jesus? He said, yeah, I know Jesus. I said, you know, he was raised from the grave. He said, yeah. I said, you want to trust Jesus as savior? I said, yeah. I said, okay, I want you to say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. He said, Lord Jesus. And the bartender went, slammed another drink on the counter. And he said, let's all drink. And that moment, that spiritual moment, you know, spiritual moments just open. They just open just like this. And then, and then, now, the Bible says that the devil wants to come and steal those moments. When, when a spiritual moment, when it's happening here and here, 
The enemy, there's a seed being sown through the foolishness of preaching, teaching, loving somebody, whatever it might be, no matter where it is. And do you know, church, that God knows where you are? Do you know you can't go to an island to get away from God? And you can't drink enough to get rid of your problems. We need Jesus. You need Jesus. And, and the devil wants to interrupt those currents so that he could steal away the seed that's been sown in your life because God wants to grow a great garden in your life. He wants to grow a harvest in you. He does. Okay. So that moment broke, and then I was a weirdo. I chased him around for two days. I did. And, and, and so I want, I want you to know this too. People that love you should chase you. People that love you should be like, no, there's a different way to live. I promise you there's a better way. And so I chased him around on like every, you know, I'd be like, hey, he was like, you know, walking, trying to get away from me. You know what I mean? And I'm just following him. What's up, dude? A, you know what I mean? So on the final night, we're in this little bar, we're dancing, we're having a good time. And I go up to the waitress and I say, I don't know if it's a Shirley Temple or whatever it is. It's a, uh, it's a cocktail. But I said, I said, no alcohol. It's loud in there. She hands me the drink. I walk off. I go, it's loaded. And so I turn back around. I go to her and I said, I said, no alcohol. She said, I thought you said more alcohol. <laughs> so I get my virgin drink. I turn around, take three steps. And this man's wife steps up, little blonde, really sprite. She steps up. She puts her hands on her hips like this. She goes, okay, pastor. <laughs> she takes the drink out of my hands and goes, and then didn't stop sucking. The glass went down half, half of the way in the glass. You know, the little kind of cocktail drinks, right? Kind of frozen drinks she gets done. She's like, she goes, no alcohol. Okay, you're legit. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh. Five seconds ago, that had been loaded with alcohol. And then she says this, say whatever you want to my husband. Go ahead, go say whatever you want to. She said, you're legit, go ahead. And so that night I sat with him and I said, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you in a relationship to Jesus and let's pray or simply. And I was about to lead him and she walked in and she said, hey, come on, let's go dance. And that moment, say moment. moment. That moment, it broke just like that. Just real close, just like that. And so I said to them in a last ditch effort, I said, we were in Cape Canaveral. They were staying in Orlando. We had a church, just three churches ago. I wasn't teaching at the time. I said, you guys come over for Easter. And they said, we're gonna come. And I thought, no, you're not. And uh, we were surprised when they walked through the door. We, we were absolutely shocked when they walked through the door and the pastor was preaching and we were sitting over here to the right and um, not in this building, it was three churches ago. And he said, man, some of you feel a little weird coming to church and he's looking at me. And I said, and you got butterflies when you got out of the car? And he said, it was crowded and it was a little bit weird and it's a little awkward for you. And he's staring at me like this. And then he goes, and then... You hear the gospel message and you're thinking, I don't know, is this for me? And he leans over during the message and he goes, did you tell him I'm coming? I said, no, I didn't tell him anything. The service ended and he was so kind of freaked out in that moment. He's looking at me when the invitation happened to trust Jesus, he's looking at me and he missed the invitation. But after it was over, here's the good news church. After it was over, I said, do you want to trust Christ as Savior? He said, yes, I do. I've been trying to do it. And I thought, well, trying, we'll just get to that one spot. We walked down the hall. He knelt down in the, on, the, on the floor of my office all three churches ago, and he gave his life to Jesus in a way that changed him. And we've known them for years. And he said, look, my life changed that day. 
in my life and I've altered my entire life because Jesus came into my life. Come on, we can cheer for that. Thank God. Come on. So, so listen. I'm not going to take any more of your time. I just want to give you an invitation. It's a simple invitation. It's the same one I gave him. We just say, listen, would you say that Jesus is Lord and receive him? And we're going to ask you to indicate that to us. Just, just, just real simple, super simple. And we're going to, wherever you are in overflow at our campuses, wherever you are, we just want to, we want to get a card in your hand. That little card is going to help you get a Bible. And we want that Bible to get in your hands. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. Can I get an amen? Listen, it's the thing that changes your life. And this is a family. This is not a cheap like, hey, just come in and do something and then just leave. I I want you to know that this is a family. God God can have you join this family or some other family and your life can change today. Your life can change. Would you join me? Just bow your heads with me together. You just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. It's not gonna be very long. And we make a confession. Everybody say out loud, say, Lord Jesus, today's the day. I give you my life, my free will. Come be my savior. Live in me. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed that Easter message from Pastor Greg Dumas. Don't forget you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. We would love to worship with you in person this weekend. For all of our times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.